Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives. And check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. If you're enjoying the podcast, please follow us using your favorite podcast software. Today's program is brought to you in part by the financial support of our listeners. You can support the podcast on a one-time basis at support.greatdetectives.net and you can become one of our ongoing Patreon supporters for as little as $2 per month. Just go over to patreon.greatdetectives.net. Well, it's another Monday and time to introduce another new actor playing the Falcon. All this, though, this one is going to be the last one for a while. In many ways, the Falcon is reminiscent of other New York-based programs that ran for a really, really long time, featured many actors in the lead role, only left behind a few episodes. Examples include The Thin Man, The Amazing Mr. Malone, and The Adventures of Ellery Queen, where the series had massive runs uh, for, in many cases, near to a decade. But in terms of having any representation of the season, we just left a smattering of episodes. Well, the actor we're going to hear from today makes that different. Les Damon took over the role of the Falcon on either January 1st or January 8th, 1950. And we've heard a lot of series that he's been in, though not a whole lot of him. He was the first actor to play Charles in the Thin Man radio series, but had to step away from the show when he was called into military service in 1943. During the time he was away, David Gothard and Les Tremaine filled in for him as Nick Charles, but he took over the role when he returned. And he played that probably close to six years in and out of the series. He We have a handful of those series. He also was the second actor to star in ABC's Mystery Theater. And he did multiple seasons of that after he did The Falcon. And we have only one episode from that entire run. He also played Pat Abbott. And thankfully, we've we've got about 10 episodes, I think, from his playing Pat Abbott in The Adventures of the Abbots in the 1950s. Which, for him, percentage-wise, is pretty good. But The Falcon is the series that most fans remember him for just because that's what we've actually got the most episodes of. Uh, at around 80 episodes total. There are more episodes with Les Damon playing The Falcon than there are episodes with Howard Duff as Sam Spade or episodes of The Saint or many other programs. And he did end up getting to play the role for more episodes than either Mian or Tremaine did, but not all that many more. It's mainly just more luck in terms of episodes surviving. The series also shifted from Mutual to NBC. That's not to say there aren't 
plenty of lost episodes during this run. In fact, Maine, as I said, took over the role of the Falcon in January. The episode we're going to play for you is in May, and then the next episode is from August of 1950. But still, at least we're headed in the right direction, and we're going to get enough of a run to really have an idea of how the Falcon sounded with Les Tremaine in the lead. So, with that introduction out of the way, let's get into today's episode. Now, from May 14th, 1950, here is The Case of the Amorous Bookkeeper. The Adventures of the Falcon, starring Les Damon. Hello? Yes, this is the Falcon speaking. Oh, Rita. I'm glad you called, Angel. But we'll have to make it another time. A man has disappeared with some of his company's money. His employers can't wait to find out what's become of him. In fact, it looks like the suspense may kill them. Once again, the National Broadcasting Company brings you The Adventures of the Falcon, dedicated to private investigators everywhere. Those hard-hitting detectives who, like Mike Waring, risk their lives to aid law enforcement agencies. You met the Falcon first in his best-selling novels. Then you saw him in his thrilling motion picture series. And now NBC is happy to bring you his adventures on the air. Yes, it's Michael Wary, that freelance detective who's always ready with a hand for oppressed men and an eye for repressed women. So join him now when the Falcon solves... The Case of the Amorous Bookkeeper. It's late Sunday night in New York, and Lucille Landis is worried. Lucille is the tall, willowy brunette who is gliding down the hall of the third floor in the Tremont building. She stops at the door of the Style Center dress company, pauses briefly with her hand on the knob, then shrugs daintily and opens the door. Her partner, large, paunchy Barney Murdoch, looks up from the books on the desk in front of him as she enters. Ah, at last. Come in, come in. All right, Barney. Now, what is it? You were so excited on the phone. I... Come here. Sit down. Well? I've been suspicious for some time. Didn't say anything because I didn't want to alarm you if, uh, well, if I was wrong. Unfortunately, I am not. Well, for heaven's sake, will you tell me what it's all about? It'd be pretty important to get you to the office on Sunday and then have you send for me. Yes, it's pretty important. I've had an accountant down here all day. What do you think? Something wrong with the book? Hard to believe. Finch has been with us for, well, almost from the beginning, and he's such a mild little guy. What's wrong? Has he made a mistake? Mistake? Yeah, quite a mistake to think he could get away with it. He's been taking us, Lucille, for the last six months. Are you sure? Oh, I can't believe it. It's all here, black and white. How much? Nearly $30,000. Oh, no, that's impossible. $30,000 in six months. I thought our profit was off for the volume we were doing, but I couldn't find anything. So I've had an expert go over it. He's found where Finch has been juggling. 
Well, what do we do? What can we do? Have the police here when Finch comes to work tomorrow. I hope he hasn't spent it all. Yes, I suppose so. Oh, poor little fella. But if he's a thief... For 30000 we can waive sympathy. Well, now, come on, let me show you. That's why I asked you down. I want you to see what the accountant pointed out so you'll understand. Well, you know I can't make heads or tails out of figures. I leave all that part of the business to you. If you say Finch has been robbing us, well, that's it. You ought to take more of an interest. Well, I do in designing and production. But believe me, Barney, when it comes to bookkeeping, I don't know a debit from a ledger. All right, Lucille, if that's the way you want it. That's the way. Now, let's call the police, shall we? Here I am, Finchie. Oh, Lucille, I've been looking for you. I didn't see you in this back booth. Oh, that's why I picked it. I don't want it to be seen. Uh, sit down. You don't have to worry. Cora doesn't know it's about us. It's not your wife we have to worry about anymore, Finch. What do you mean? The jig's up. Barney had an accountant work on the book today. Oh, dear. To put it mildly. What'll we do? Well, you've got to get out of town. Oh, I knew it would come to this sooner or later. I knew it. Good. Nothing like being prepared. We'll, we'll go to California. Hmm? We? Oh, are you taking Cora? No, no, you. Oh, Finchie, don't be silly. What? But uh, I don't want to leave you. Hey, you don't have much choice. You'll join me later? No, think about it. You won't join me. You want to get rid of me? Now, Finchie. Well, you're acting so, so cold. But I'm worried, that's all. I should think you'd want to go with me, if you really love me. Let's not go to that now. Sometimes I think... I just wonder if you've just been using me to juggle the books for you now that I'm no more used to I'm you. tipping you off, aren't I, so you can get away? Yes, but well, maybe you don't want me talking. Well, I don't, but... I've uh, got to know the truth. I've got to... You let go of my wrist. Do you love me? Answer me, Lucille. Do you love me? Do you? Well, you asked for it. I know it. I know it all the time. Look in the mirror sometimes, Finchie. Did you think for one minute stop, that Stop, I... stop. Don't say it. I didn't think even for one minute. Not really. I pretended, that's all. The whole thing was just like a dream. Just a daydream. Now it's turned into a nightmare. Oh, I'm sorry. Honestly. <laughs> you better be for yourself. You're in this with me, Lucille. And I may decide not to go to California. I may stay, see? And I may talk. Oh, Finchie, don't be silly. You juggled the books. You took the money. And there's nothing to prove you gave any of it to me or that I knew anything about it. But you wanted me to get out of town. Well, partly for your sake and partly because I don't like unpleasantness. I can deny anything you say. But I'd rather not be bothered. A little unpleasantness, that's all you're afraid of. Well, just don't underestimate me, Lucille. I'm warning you now. Don't underestimate me. Thanks for the tip. Barney Murdoch underestimated me. It cost him $30,000. Cora underestimated me. She wouldn't believe I could ever have a woman like you. Well, I did. Maybe someday people will find out that Elliot Finch is... is... Oh, what am I talking about? Lucille, don't leave me, please. I'm scared. Good night, Finchie. Uh, Lucille! She hates me. No, she doesn't even hate me. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? 
Yes? Michael Waring? That's right. My name's Barney Murdoch, Style Center Dress Company. Want to hire you. <laughs> I never was much good on hemstitching. All right, you've had your joke. Now may I come in? Yeah, sure. Thanks. They call you the Falcon or some such falderal, don't they? Oh, I've been called every kind of falderal in the book. Well, I'm not much for fancy names, but I understand you're sharp. Can deliver the goods. That's what I want. Or just what goods do you have in mind? I want you to find a man for me. What man? Name's Elliot Finch, bookkeeper. Worked for us until today. Didn't show up for work this morning, and his wife doesn't know where he is. Well, how much did he get away with? How'd you know about that? When the bookkeeper disappears and his boss rushes frantically to a detective... Good, you're on the ball. 30,000, Waring. 30,000 nice round simoleons. Hmm. Well, to coin a couple of cliches, Finch certainly believed in making hay. And, brother, that ain't hay. What's in it for me? Your fee is... $50 a... a day in expenses. I'll give you $500. If the job's done in less than 10 days, keep the change. Well, fair enough. Tell me something, Murdoch. When did you discover Finch's defalcation? Yesterday. And today, Finch disappears. Yeah, I've been wondering about that. Don't see how he knew we'd found out about him. Well, who did know, besides yourself? Just the accountant. I had work on the books. And my partner, Lucy Landis. But surely neither of oh, them... would trust them implicitly? Of course. Mm -hmm. As much as you trusted Finch until this happened? What are you trying to suggest? I'm oh, just thinking out loud... And in my business, you don't get very far if your thoughts are all sweetness and light. Very good, Waring. Suspicious of everyone. Probably just as well. Although I don't think... Uh, <laughs> then I'll leave the speculation to you. All right, Murdoch. And as soon as I have something concrete, I'll let you know. What is it? Are you Mrs. Finch? Yes. My name is Michael Waring. I'm looking for your husband. He isn't here. I know that. How do you know? What do you want with him? Are you from Style Center? In a way. Get out of here. Go on back to Mr. Murdoch. Tell him all he's lost is $30,000. I've lost a husband. Well, perhaps I can help. Help! Elliot's gone. Run away. And he's not too well, Mr. What did you say your name was? Waring. I'm telling you this. Jail would kill him. He's never been strong. But he was a good husband and a good employee for 25 years. And then, well, we all make mistakes. Temptations. Yes, I know how you feel, Mrs. Finch. But... Oh, no, you don't. You wouldn't be here trying to find him so you can take him to jail, so you can kill him. All right, Mrs. Finch. <sighs> what was that? What? A door closed in the back of the apartment. I didn't hear anything. Maybe the wind. Maybe your husband. No, he isn't here. How do you know? Maybe he just came in the back. He didn't. He wouldn't. Come on, let's go see. No, Elliot. Elliot, if you're here, get out. There's somebody here looking for you. It's all right, Cora. Elliot, he wants to take you to jail. He's not going to take me to jail. But where did you get that gun? I, I found it. Now, look, no. please. I don't want to listen to any lectures. I, I took the money. I admit it. I can't pay it back either. But I'm not going to jail. I'm sorry about this, Cora, but you know the whole story. You know there's nothing I can do. So this is all that's left. Goodbye, Cora. Finch, wait. During the month to come, General Mills has planned to bring radio listeners an excitingly new half-hour show each weekday evening. Not just one, not two, but six thrilling half-hour shows. 
two of these shows have already joined the Wheaties Big Parade. On Monday's Night Beat brings you tales of newspaper columnist Randy Stone, who hacks stories out of the shadows to make good reading in the morning papers. Join us here tomorrow for Night Beat. And then on Wednesday, you can follow the fast-moving adventures of Brian Dunleavy on A Dangerous Assignment. More to come in the Wheaties Big Parade of NBC shows will be a frolicking series starring Penny Singleton and a comedy detective series with a feminine punch starring Sarah Berner. Dimension X, NBC's exciting science fiction series, will also join the big parade, along with true stories of North America's oldest law enforcement body, the Texas Rangers. You'll hear all of them in the Wheaties' big parade of NBC shows. Now back to the adventures of the Falcon. Half an hour has passed since Elliot Finch tried to shoot his way out of his troubles by putting a bullet in himself. Finch has been rushed to a hospital, and now Mike is talking to Cora Finch, who is just recovering from the shock. Is there anyone you'd like me to get to stay with you? Only Elliot. That's impossible. Well, if you'd help me, perhaps we could... What could I do? You say Mr. Finch was a model husband. He was. Well, men don't just change overnight unless something happens. Now, what happened to make him suddenly take money from the firm? I told you, temptation finally got the better of him. What temptation? Money. Well, it took its time. He'd been with the company for years. It grows with time. Uh-huh. And that's all? He didn't have any sudden need for money? No. What did he do with the money? Oh, please, after what I've been through, do I have to go through this third degree? I'm just trying to help. Like you helped Elliot? How did him killed him? Now, look, Mrs. Finch, in the first place, I had nothing to do with your husband shooting himself. In the second place, he's not dead. And in the third place... He's not... Not dead. Well, didn't you know? But they, they carried him out. I, I the thought... The doctor told you. Oh, I was so dazed. You're telling me the truth? Yes, of course. No, you're, you're just trying to fool me. All you're... right, call the hospital. He's really alive, Elliot. really alive. Here's the phone. <laughs> now, hold it. Stop it. I'm sorry. Now, that's better. Now, do you want to call... Yes. Give me the phone. Yes? Mr. Waring is here, Mr. Murdoch. All right, send him in. Already. Oh, Waring, come in. Come in. Any news? Yeah, I found Finch. What? Good boy. That was fast. Well, I'd love to take Bowers, Murdoch, but I'm afraid I don't rate one on this. He walked in on me, that's all. Walked in on you? Where? At his home. I thought he'd skipped. No, he had no place to go. Well, uh, uh, where is he? In the hospital. He tried to kill himself. Uh, tried to? Tried to, you say? Mm-hmm. They're working on him now. He's still unconscious, but the doctors give him a good chance. Hmm. He tried it while you were still at his place? That's right. Why'd you let him do it? He had a gun. What could I do? Guns don't usually stop the falcon, do they? Well, sometimes. Don't want to get in a rut. Did he say anything about the money? To his wife. It's gone. All of it? So she said. Where? Gambling? So she didn't say. Hmm. Another woman, maybe. Maybe. Where's your partner? Lucille? She hasn't come in yet today. Mm-hmm. Interesting coincidence, wouldn't you say? What? 
Day after Finch's dirty work is discovered, he doesn't come to work, and neither does Lucille. Oh, she often doesn't come in till afternoon. It's afternoon? You're hinting at something, Waring. You hinted at it before. I'm just trying not to overlook any possibilities. Well, but... There's a Sergeant Corbett of the police here. He wants to talk to you. Oh, just a minute. Must be something about the robbery, Waring. I'll see him in a minute. No, it's not just the robbery, Murdoch. Corbett is with the homicide squad. Homicide? Mm -hmm. But who... What what homicide? Ask Corbett. Yeah. Send the sergeant in. Yes, Mr. Murdoch. You said Finch tried to kill himself, Waring. Well, that's suicide, not murder. Besides, it didn't work. That's right. Hello, Corbett. Waring. Well, now my day is complete. Mm -hmm. And what can we do for you? You can sit tight and keep your mouth shut. I want to talk to Mr. Murdoch. What's it about, Sergeant? Your partner, Lucille Landis. Lucille? She's been murdered. What? What do you know about it, Murdoch? Yes, that's about all I can tell you, Sergeant. All right, Murdoch, stick around. We may want to talk to you again. Sure thing. Good day, Sergeant. So long. Goodbye, Waring. Bye-bye, Corbett. I'll see you down at headquarters later. There are a few things I'd like to find out. And you think we can help you? You flatter the department, Waring. I thought you were the guy who likes to tell us, not ask us. Oh, you're all right for routine, Corbett. If it's simple. Mm. He expects us to give him what we got after that. <laughs> you will, Corbett. In spite of yourself. Your irresistible charm, no doubt. Why, Corbett, you do care. Ah, I've got work to do. (laughs) All right, Waring. Your friend, the sergeant's gone. You can stop being cute. I want results, and I want them fast. What results? Proof that Finch killed Lucille. And if he didn't? He did. Must have. She got him to jockey the books. Did she? Look, it's your idea. You've been hinting at it right along. Yeah, Tell me something, Murdoch. What? Just when did you catch on to my hint? Now, wait a minute, Waring. I don't like that kind of a question. You're supposed to be working for me. Why so touchy, Murdoch? All I said... I know what you said. Now, listen to me. I hired you to find Finch. You did. Okay. Now I'm hiring you to prove he killed Lucille. For an additional thousand dollars. You want the job or don't you? Why are you so anxious to pin this on Finch? Because he killed Lucille. But if she was double-crossing you... Get out of here, Waring. I'll get somebody who can take orders. No, 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 not so fast, Murdoch. A job's a job, and money's money. You want me to nail Finch? Okay, I'll nail him. I just wondered why you're so anxious. Because he's guilty. Oh. All right, if you say so. Well, if you don't think so... Oh, I do, I do. All right, then. After all, Murdoch, the customer's always right. What more proof do I need? Hello, Sergeant. Told you I'd be around. Yeah, Waring. Well, what have you got for me? For you, nothing. Now, look, Corbett, if you want me to solve this case for you... Too late, Waring. We've taken care of that little detail already. You've made an arrest? We will. We know who we want. We know where to find him. You got the wrong man. Oh, we have. Not truly. How do you know who I'm talking about? Don't need to. I know you, Corbett. Bound to be wrong. (sighs) I don't know why I put up with this guy. (laughs) You can't do without me. Now, would you like me to tell you who really killed the Landis girl? Yeah, tell me. Elliot Finch. Oh, Finch. That's right. Just how do you know it was Finch? Because I know which side my bread is buttered on. 
That makes a lot of sense. Does to me. I like butter. All right. Now, would you like me to tell you who pulled the job? Yeah, who did it? Finch. What? Only I happen to be able to prove it. I don't believe it. They took the bullet out of Finch's shoulder. It came from the same gun that did the murder. Oh, no, there must be some mistake. There's no mistake, Waring. But, Sergeant, if you and I agree with each other, one of us is bound to be wrong. Next Sunday, along with the high-spirited adventures of the Falcon, include two new dramatic Sunday mysteries. From the celebrated Office of Strategic Services, NBC presents fully authenticated stories of the OSS in action during World War II. Cloak and Dagger presents actual cases adapted from the famous book of the same name. Another of the startling new NBC presentations is The Big Guy. He's Joshua Sharp, who supports two wonderful children while working as a keen, quick-witted detective. To his two children, he's Joshua Sharp, the fabulous hero, giant among giants. He's the big guy. Next Sunday, along with the adventures of the Falcon, make a date to hear fully authenticated stories on Cloak and Dagger and a new and different kind of detective, Joshua Sharp, the big guy. Hear them all next Sunday over most of these same NBC stations. to the adventures of the Falcon. It's 20 minutes since Mike Waring and Sergeant Corbett startled each other by seeing eye to eye on a case. Now they're at the hospital to see Elliot Finch. They find Mrs. Finch in the waiting room. Hello, Mrs. Finch. How's your husband? He's regained consciousness, but I haven't been able to talk to him yet. They're giving him a transfusion, and then they say I can go in again. Not until I do. Who are you? Oh, excuse me. Mrs. Finch, this is Sergeant Corbett of the police. I might have known. Can't they give him any rest even now? I'm sorry, Mrs. Finch. I'll bet you are. I can see it written all over you. Uh, Why do they always have to have families? You stay here with her wearing. I'm going in. But, Sergeant, I... You'd better do as he says, Mrs. Finch. I don't know why you all have to pick on Elliot anyway. He doesn't have the money. He only took it because that woman made him. She's the one who has it. Lucille Landis? Yes. If you want the money, ask her. Oh, we'd like to, but there's one catch. Well, what's that? She's dead. She... How did that happen? Somebody killed her. But what I'd like to know, Mrs. Finch, since you know about your husband and Miss Landis, how come you didn't tell me about her before? Because I didn't want to. I don't have to account to you. No, but you did account to me. Everything except that you knew about Miss Landis. Why do you make so much of that? Because you must have had some reason for holding back. I'm not holding back. I've... Just told you about her. Yeah, I know. That's what puzzles me. It must be awful. What? Your kind of work makes you suspicious of everybody and everything. Uh-huh. Still, it's better than being afraid of everybody and everything. What do you mean by that? I'll tell you later. Here comes the sergeant again. Well, Corbett? Mrs. Finch can go in now if she wants. What did he say to you, Corbett? He has a story. Yeah. Uh-huh. He admits he was at Lucille Landis's, but he says he got there after the murder. He found the gun then and took gun. it with him. That's gun. how he got it. Gun, Miss Landis's, you... You weren't here about the money. This was about the murder. Uh, easy, Mrs. Finch. You can't think Elliot did it. He'd never hurt anyone. He didn't do it. Why can't you leave him alone? When a man has a murder gun, you don't just leave him alone. But he told you... Yeah, him. yeah, yeah. You buy his alibi, Corbett? For now, he's not going anywhere. That's right. But suppose I could rip his alibi right down the middle. What? How? 
Well, suppose I could prove he took the gun with him too, Miss Landis's, that he went there to kill her. Go ahead. He can't. It's a lie. Mrs. Finch told me her husband admitted taking the money, but she tried to conceal his connection with Miss Landis. Now, why? I told you. Was it because she knew what was going to happen? And she wanted to protect Finch? No. Couldn't she have seen him take the gun? That would frighten her into trying to hide his affair with Miss Landis. No, you, you must believe me. I, I wouldn't shield Elliot. Not if he were a murderer. Well, you tried to protect him when you knew he was a thief. I didn't. You didn't want him jailed for it. You seemed to think it was all right for him to take the money. You said he was just yielding to temptation. Your only criticism was of the police and me for wanting to catch him. Well, I... Well, what could I do? He, he's my husband. I, I love him. Naturally, I don't want to see him go to jail. Mm, nice code of ethics. Anything he does is okay, as long as he's your husband. Embezzlement, murder... You don't understand. Oh, the trouble is, I do. Corbett, I think you have a case. You can make an arrest. No. Elliot didn't kill that woman, I tell you. He didn't. I will see. But he's sick. This this might kill him. Let him alone until he's stronger. Then you'll see. He'll be able to prove... You mean there'll be time to think up another alibi? It's no use, Mrs. Why do you have to be so hard, so unfeeling? I know. It's another side of that rotten work I'm in. Well, Corbett? Okay. No, please. Nothing else will stop you. I'll confess. I killed her. I did it. She's sure determined to protect that guy. Yeah, only she happens to be telling the truth. Huh? But you said... I didn't say anything. I simply asked some hypothetical questions. But now I am saying Mrs. Finch killed Miss Landis, Corbett. You said before I could arrest Finch for the murder. No, no. I said you could make an arrest. You can. So what are you waiting for? Mr. Waring is on line one, Mr. Murdoch. Right. Hello, Waring. What news? Well, I've wrapped it up. You did? Finch? Yep, I hung it on him. There's been an arrest? Yep. Right. Come on over and tell me about it. I'll give you your check. Well, there's not much to tell. You wanted me to prove Finch killed Miss Landis, so I did. Good. Yeah, forced the real murderer into confessing. What? Yes, Mrs. Finch didn't like her husband being ruined by another woman, so she eliminated the other woman. Mrs. Finch? Yeah, that's right, Murdoch. She's the one who killed your partner. But I didn't think you'd mind it turning out like this. All you really wanted was for me to prove you didn't do it, right? Yeah, Waring, but I was so sure... Yes, I know. You ought to be careful about that, Murdoch. You know, there's a theory we're supposed to operate on that a man is innocent until he's proved guilty. Not a bad idea. I'll see you around. That looked so smug, Waring. You were lucky, that's all. Was I, Corbett? You thought Finch was our boy. It just happened Mrs. Finch broke down. Mm-hmm. And I had nothing to do with it? Not intentionally. I suppose I tell you I suspected her almost from the first minute I met her. More hypothetical questions? No, no. On the level. Okay, you suspected her. You suspect everyone. <laughs> yeah, that's what she said. But I picked her as the best bet. Why? Because one of the first questions she asked me was, are you from Style Center? What does that prove? Nothing. But she followed it up with, get out of here, go on back to Mr. Murdoch. The Style Center isn't just Mr. Murdoch. It is, or was, Murdoch and Lucille Landis. But Cora Finch had already crossed off Landis. And I couldn't help wondering why. I see. And then what clinched it was her holding back on me about Finch's tie-up with the Landis woman. 
Although she knew about it all the time. Could have been she was protecting her husband, like you suggested, at the hospital. Yeah. Except that when she heard her husband was better, that he would live and could talk, suddenly she told me about him and Lucille Landis. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, so she couldn't have been trying to protect him, or she would have continued to keep quiet. So you figured she wasn't covering for him, but for herself. Sure. She didn't want us to know that she was wise to her husband and the Landis woman, because then we wouldn't know she had a motive to kill her. Uh-huh. But when she found out her husband was going to live and might admit he had told her the whole story, she decided to spill the works. That's right. She thought it would look better coming from her than it would if we latched onto it ourselves. But instead it cooked her. Well, she's not cooked yet, Corbett. Just about, with the confession and all, but... I reserve final judgment until the jury comes in. Why so cautious all of a sudden, Mike? I just like to practice what I preach. And I've been preaching. Isn't that a little out of character for you? Well, could be. Fact seems to me this whole case is out of character for you. <laughs> How come? Well, there are only two gals in it. One of them gets herself bumped off. You pin the job on the other one, and that leaves you holding hands with me. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> You're overlooking one thing, Corbett. What's that, Mike? The receptionist in Murdoch's office. She's waiting. And I'll just have time to pick her up. So here's where you get off. <laughs> Good night, Sergeant. The Case of the Frozen Lettuce. The Case of the Frozen Lettuce. That's the title of next week's adventure of The Falcon when Mike Waring learns that a person who tries to keep his mouth shut may wind up silent as the grave. So be sure to listen next week at the same time to another exciting Adventure of the Falcon. The Adventures of the Falcon are based on the famous character created by Drexel Drake, produced by Bernard L. Schubert, written tonight by Jerome Epstein, and directed by Richard Lewis. Music was conducted by Harry Sosnick. Les Damon was starred as the Falcon, with Ken Lynch as Sergeant Corbett. Tonight, Theater Guild on the Air presents a thrilling courtroom drama starring lovely Paulette Goddard, the wonderful Pat O'Brien, and handsome Tom Drake. The story is the highly dramatic Trial of Mary Dugan. Hear all three top stars in The Trial of Mary Dugan later on Theater Guild on the Air. This program came from New York. Peter Roberts speaking. Welcome back. I had to love it when Waring used the story logic of a radio series to show that either he or Corbin were fated to be wrong. I do wonder if the show's dedication to private detectives was a bit tongue-in-cheek uh, spoof on radio programs that dedicated themselves to the police. Even though The Falcon had only been on NBC a couple weeks and Les Damon had only been in the role for five months, Clearly, its conventions were familiar to the audience, who expected the Falcon would get a girl, and the show tried not to disappoint. The uh, promos on the program were really interesting. Some programs like Nightbeat or Dangerous Assignment we've already played or are playing. Uh, we may hear Cloak and Dagger when we get to the uh, Adventure podcast later on. The Big Guy is actually a series we played many, many years back and which I really enjoyed and I love the concept of this really large private investigator who's just seen as this sort of bigger-than-life 
character by his uh, children and that he is raising them on his own as his wife passed, which wasn't a typical backstory for a detective in the 1950s. And I'm disappointed that we don't have more episodes. And also, I think they could have done a lot more with the concept. So, well, now it's time to thank our Patreon supporter of the day. And I want to go ahead and thank Guy. Guy has been one of our Patreon supporters since September of 2022, currently supporting the podcast at the rookie level of $2 or more per month. Thank you so much for your support, Guy. And that will do it for today. We'll be back next Monday with another episode of The Falcon. But join us back here tomorrow for the start of another Yours Truly Johnny Dollar serial where... Well, at least I know he was here at Crystal Lake now. You, uh, you haven't seen him since, huh? You know, just once. Huh? That same night. He was in the bar at the hotel talking to Betty Norton. Who's she? Heiress to the Norton estate. Mining. She's got a big place on the other side of the lake near Lookout Point. Know anything about her? All I want to. Oh. She travels at a pretty good clip. Oh, I see. Well, thanks for the information, Ace. Yeah, what are you going to do now? Try to find Edward Russell, alive or otherwise. That uh, hunch of yours still operating? It hasn't gotten any weaker. Oh, uh, just one thing, Johnny. Mm. This is a pretty high-grade resort here. Things are nice and peaceful. I, uh, I like to keep it that way. Sure. So, so don't go off half-cocked, huh? For instance... For instance, don't start accusing anybody of murder unless or until you find a body. <laughs> and if I do find a body? Oh, then looks like we'll have to start doing a little accusing. I hope you'll be with us then. In the meantime, do send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram. Instagram.com slash greatdetectives from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.